With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Can you feel it? Yes, we can. Welcome to this edition of Race Control Around New Zealand here on SENZ with Stephen McIver and full-time Bathurst champion and genuinely a good bloke, Greg Murphy. G'day, Murph. Good evening, Stephen. How are you, mate? Oh, look, I am feeling it. I am feeling it for a number of reasons because tonight we give away the copies of Neil Compton's new book, The Best Seat in the House. And what we're going to do tonight, last week we said you've got to tell us what the name of the book is, and that's still part of the deal. But any calls tonight, it's not a texting competition. You have to call us 0800 150811 if you want to go into one of, one of two copies of Neil Compton's The Best Seat in the House because we've got a lot to talk about. Pretty cool guest tonight, uh, before 7.30, we've got Craig Baird to talk about the Liam Lawson incident. I know we're, we're hot on that. We'll talk to that about it in just a moment. Emma Gilmore's in Scotland. She races in the uh, Welsh Rally, I think it is, uh, in a couple of weeks. Nick Cassidy's direct out of Monaco at after 8 o'clock. And Jake Lewis, three-time New Zealand Superbike champion, to talk all things bike. Guess, guess what? Abby's not well, mate. She's not feeling it today. She's not feeling it. But are you feeling it? Well, she's just sick of us. Has she actually uh, made an excuse? Well, no, no, no. She She's actually not feeling too well. And I said, well, get that that uh, that bloke that you're going to marry and then you're going with that. Hopefully we get the invite to the wedding to t- chat about it as well. Hey, Murph, uh, October 11, 2003. Do you remember this? He's up and look at the split. It's awesome. Four tenths of a second for Greg Murphy. Readout on the dash won't show him that, but it's showing that the Kmart Commodore is top of the game right now. Four tenths inside John Bowes' time. Gee, the car looks good, and Murphy's really ringing this thing. He is getting 11 tenths out, mistake free so far. Every millimetre of road on the run to Forest Elbow. Second split's critical. He's it online at the elbow, a little bit wider than he would have liked, but he stays with it. I don't think it's hurt him. He's up nearly 0.7. An awesome time so far from Murphy. And the Holden fans in the background are roaring. His time yesterday was a 27.95. Can he improve on it, JB? Well, He's the one most interested laugh. at the moment. And all you can do is laugh because this is just quite simply an awesome lap. He holds it together through the chase. And Greg Murphy, listen to the crowd roar. The Holden supporters love it. The shackles on car 51, and he is going straight to pole position for the Bob Jane T minus 1000. Murphy, a blistering Holy smokes! Uncharted territory for anybody on the mountain. Nobody's ever gone under the sevens. <laughs> Take a bow, Greg Murphy. That was something very special in the history of Bathurst. 
commonly known as the Lap of the Gods, 2068594. You, I was watching you, a bit of heavy breathing going on. How cool does that sound, eh? Don't you love that? Are we desperate to fill, are we? No, no, I was celebrating something. On the show tonight? Mate... Don't be a killjoy. I was mm. celebrating something that I still get excited about because I work with you and I'm looking at your reaction going, oh, mate, seriously. It's 18 can't... years ago. Oh, it's 18 years ago. You, mate, got to move on. Mate, you are starting to sound like an old man. But do tell me one thing. Didn't you say that coming over the top, was it McPhillamy Park or before that, that you slipped again, you could have gone faster? No, I didn't tell you that. Uh, it was um, out of uh, out of the out of the dipper. Out of the dippy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. What Mr. Gear. Yeah, amateur. <laughs> Not good enough, really. <laughs> mate, you, you, mate you, I don't know what is up with you. I would have been... We, ex- did, we did actually have to move... We did have to move the gear lever sideways back in those days. It wasn't uh, it was like, you know, as it? easy as it is today with a sequential, <laughs> you know, push forward and pull back again to change up. You know, we had to actually move it sideways. It was an H pattern. So, you know, back then, men were men. Uh, not like uh, today where, you know, the flappy paddles and all this easy stuff. <laughs> okay, well, that's, you know what? That's not the reaction I expected because I was getting excited about just listening well, to the Well, you know, to be honest, Honest, mate, you know it's. Um, I know it's eighteen uh, years ago. Listen, it was, a, it was an amazing moment, humbling, and all that, all that stuff. But uh, you know, it was a long time ago. It doesn't There's matter, lots mate. Of cool things. Yeah, to, it was your place. There's lots of lots of cool things we need to talk about all right. tonight. Okay, so here's here, okay. So just a reminder: if you want to go in the draw to things. win Neil Crompton's book, Best Seat in the House, call us. No texting. It's calls only. Oh eight hundred. One five great calls last week too, Stephen. We had plenty of great, we had great calls. calls last week, and, and uh, we and we didn't get to speak to all the people when asked ask questions. So if you've got anything you want to ask us and uh, talk to us about, and there's probably a lot of things on tonight's show that uh, are worthy of asking and talking about, well, um, yeah, that'd be great. Well, this next incident is where we're going to talk, which is the big talking point tonight. So have a listen to this. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight to them, and call us about this. You'll also go on the draw to win Neil Crompton's book, Best Seat in the House. Three drivers still into the chance of the championship. The top six finish would be enough for pole sitter Liam Lawson to claim the title in his first season. The charge down into the first hairpin and three abreast. Kelvin van der Linden down the inside of Lawson. Contact Lawson and his teammate Nick Cassidy sent out wide. The car stopping. Van der Linde dropping back as well. And as he selected reverse gear, Cassidy got going again. Lawson would get going again as well. But they were right at the back of the field. Van der Linde from the onboard just diving down the inside to try and get the win. His only chance of taking the championship title. Off the road, over the kerbs and into the side of the Ferraris. So Liam Lawson was going into that final race of the Norris Ring last weekend in the DTM Championship as the leader was taken out by Audi's Kevin Funderlinder and then team orders at the end of the race saw two Mercedes pull over to allow Ooh. Maxi Gotts to go in and win the championship. So it wasn't I, even... It wasn't even team orders. Well, okay, it was it was constructors' I mean, orders, Mercedes orders. Now, Murph, let's just get it off the chest. Uh, you and I have spoken about this on Sky Speed already. Uh, I'm still filthy about this. Now, Kevin Vunderlander has come out and apologised. Mm. Helmut Marco, mm. who was Mr. Reek. Yeah, completely. Helmut Marco has come out and said, quote, completely brainless manoeuvre by Kevin Vunderlander. He should have been banned. Yeah, and and he makes a good point. Uh, does Helmut Marco, the boss of uh, all the Red Bull drivers and development, um, that in other categories like Formula One, he actually would have probably almost been banned from previous 
situations earlier in the year where he has hit multiple drivers along the way um, and caused a bit of carnage. So he probably would have had points on his licence like they do in Formula One. Uh, and Formula One drivers are getting points on their licences and, and penalties for far less than that. And this is why it's going to be really interesting shortly when we get Craig Beard involved, who is the driving standards observer for supercars and does a brilliant job in a very difficult mm. role to get his opinion on it. But, you know, and it's disappointing the commentary as well. I mean, that was the highlights, I think, that was just used there, that uh, little soundbite that we had. But, um, you know, what a, a pretty average kind of response from even the, the commentator there. I mean, it was a, a, a pretty terrible manoeuvre. And, and, and Kelvin Vanderlinder has come out and apologised because he has been absolutely smashed on social media. Now, I don't agree with, with people attacking, and I've been out, Woodley spoken about that before about about people being attacked, um, being threatened, being abused on mm. social media. Have your opinion and be constructive about it. And I, I made a comment that was I hope was uh, seen as constructive. Um, <laughs> well, it was not, comment, it wasn't commented, abusive. <laughs> the comment that you made on it wasn't Instagram. Abusive. You were angry. I've never seen yeah. you get angry like that before. Oh, very. Uh, and right, you know, and as are a lot of people, and and Vandalinder, I don't think has uh, thought that he was going to get the backlash that he did. He's come out. He says he's spoken to Liam. That would be interesting to know what was said there. But but as it says, he he didn't actually come out and um, uh, apologise for what he said. No, he didn't uh, in social media and that kind of thing either, which was ri- absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he he came out and said in a year that. Uh, where many things happened, the right guy won today. That was straight after the race. No wonder people have become so outspoken. But that's and, been deleted and, and, though. And since abused he, him. he deleted that I one because he knew yeah, he made an absolute tool, tool of himself. But he said it. Yeah. Oh, completely. I think the lack yeah. of accountability is the hard one to stomach, because he. Well, there's been a. Yeah. No, no. Sorry. You go. Go. Well, there's been a lot of comments um, about uh, you know a, a lot to do with how DTM have. Um, come out and what yeah. they've done and the way they've gone about their business. And there's actually a really interesting uh, uh, interview that Will Buxton has mm. done with Liam. So he got Liam this week, um, and good on Liam for, for coming out and, and having a chat. But it's uh, it's on motorsport.tv. There's an interview as part of Wick, uh, Will Buxton's This Week sort of uh, episode that he does um, on motorsport.tv. So go and have a look at that. And there's actually a, a cutout of the interview with Liam there. And and, it, and it's it's a really good interview, interesting one. And Liam's obviously being quite careful in a lot of things he does say. But Except but, the last yeah, question. I mean, just the Except way... the last question, Murph. And I was staggered. It was a great question by Will Bucks. And I thought, oh, Liam's going to just, he's going to swerve on this one. He said, because of what's happened mm. and how things have transpired, I'm sort of you know paraphrasing this. Uh, he said, mm. "Is this the sort of championship you want to be involved in?" And I'm going, "Oh gosh, Liam, this is." Good. And he basically said, "No." Mm. He said, "I don't want yeah, to be involved did. in a champ." Yeah. And I thought that was a really mature call. He said, "You know, look, I yes, I'm upset. I'm disappointed for the team. I'm disappointed myself." But he was basically saying, "If this championship doesn't take stronger measures for lunatic driving." And, and he hates the team orders thing, which we all understand, then I don't want to be a part of it. And the fact that he's got support from Red Bull yeah. takes it even a step further, which is and fantastic. It, and it's a bit of a worry for DTM, you know, being, you know, a, a, this effectively this German championship, that um, based on some of the things that were said by Liam in the interview too about how much flack they have copped at being Ferrari, 
and being AF Corsa in there <laughs> and the suggestions of special treatment and all this kind of stuff all the way through this. Someone like uh, Gerhard Berger, who is um, the head of DTM there, I would have thought, and maybe there is, but I haven't seen anything, he should be coming out and actually stopping all this uh, very quickly because I think it's doing a lot of damage to DTM as a whole. And, and you know, uh, wouldn't you want to be protecting um, the investment and the involvement with people like Red Bull in a championship like that? I mean, there's, you know, there's only... Uh, uh, what, how many manufacturers in there? I don't even know uh, if, what, if what the we got? We Lamborghini got, uh, is factory. Audi, Audi, Lambo. Is factory supported. Uh, Ferrari yeah. and Mercedes. Four. Yeah, so there's only four, and they've struggled over the years in the last oh, decades now to you know attract manufacturers. And the reason why the, the old DTM f- fell apart, because BMW, Audi, and um, Mercedes, they all basically disbanded. The, the, the championship was costing way too much money. They were bespoke special cars, and they couldn't make it work, and it all fell over. So, you know, is, there, is AF Corsa going to be in there next year? I doubt they will well, be. They haven't, will they, Red Bull they be haven't, in there? They haven't put themselves forward yet. Uh, it was quite interesting in one no. of the articles I read. And that will the- Red Bull? Well, no, I think I think yeah, I th- that's that's the ga- the gauntlet they have run. You know, you you screw us yeah. over. Well, guess what? We won't bring out an enormous mm. marketing budget and everything else, and yeah. and some really cool drivers, young drivers that we can pedal to to your platform. I I just think it's uh, it was disgraceful. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. If you've got a yes, thought, if you've got an opinion on this, we want your thoughts. Because if you bring us your opinion, and, and you can tell us the name of Neil Crompton's new book called The Best Seat in the House. I've forgotten well, it. Oh, that's well, it. Well, then you can go on the draw to win one of two copies of that because it's a callers-only competition, all right? Because we want to hear your thoughts on this whole Liam Lawson. And in many ways, and because we're Kiwis, we, we feel more strongly for a move, but it was a debacle. And when you talk about uh, the commentator, and I'm not criticising the commentator, but I was watching it live going, and he goes, well, look at this. Uh, Gertz is, was 50 seconds behind. Now he's within 20. I'm going, yeah. what's, what's wrong with the front runner? It was Lucas Al. It was the front runner. I'm going, hang on a minute. And it, at that time, it didn't it's even well dawn on me that it was going to be a constructor slash team order to pull over because uh, Mercedes wanted a German brand winning a new thing. Uh, it, it is what it is. Hey, i got a quick uh, text in here. Seriously, 51 for the fans. It's part of the New Zealand Bathurst history, and you should be, quote, very proud to do what you did in Australia. How many race car drivers, <laughs> have, Australia. A, how many race car drivers have a lap named after them? Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. <laughs> Jim from Tamuka. Thanks. Jim, why don't you call us up and have a Give chat? Give us a call, Jim. Give us a call and talk to us what that lap of the gods. Thank you, Jim. Thank Actually, you. have you figured out why they called it the lap of the gods, by the way? No, I don't. Well, I didn't. Listen, I, I hope people don't think I called it that because it would sound like a complete you-know-what, but yeah. um, I didn't. But it's uh, it's happened to... And, and listen, yeah, and, and it is very humbling, to be honest. It's very humbling, all that stuff. But, um, you know, I don't want to focus on me. So just to remind if you want a copy of Neil Crompton's new book, we have two copies to give away called The Best Seat in the House, of which he does have The Best Seat in the House as being the uh, Australasia's premier uh, broadcaster of motorsport. Then all you have to do is call us 0800 150811 and tell us the name of the book. And also talk to us about the Liam Lawson issue over the past weekend, and also maybe what Murph's Lap of the Gods back on October 11, 2003 meant to you. You know, Murph, I actually think I can still remember watching it.
and going. What was it? Like? <laughs> you think you can? I think I can. Well, what was it like going down? What was it like? Because it was like there. You were like a. I know. I'm not being disrespectful. It was like a returning hero, like a Roman coming back from the 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 cruci- whatever he was. Uh, you know, the door was open and pit, everyone in pit lane was clapping you. And I mean, to know that you had broken what was potentially at that time unbreakable. Did it actually sink in at any time? And go, oh, hang on a minute. And then you went and won the big great race anyway, which was the bonus. But the actual fact that you'd done the unthinkable. Well, I don't know. You don't have to think about it like that, though. That's not what you, you know, you, every time you get in a race car, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, and we're just talking motorsport, not other sport. But, you know, and, and every time you get in a race car, there's one goal. There's one thing. Right, and that's to be the fastest or be first. So that's that's all you ever do, and you know, doing the shootout, which was always a very uh, special part of the Bathurst weekend. Um, you know that I loved being part of that shootout. I was very uh, mm. honoured to do it. So every time you you got a chance to do it, you put it on the line, and you wanted to make it happen. And that's all I did at the start of my lap, or for that, and the preparation for it was to to try and be the fastest possible. Now, you know. Doing the lap was one thing, but the, you mentioned about coming back down the pit lane, yeah. which we used to do, come down the wrong way. Um, if 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 those if all the people there, um, all your uh, competitors, all the other teams, if they hadn't hadn't come out and and done what they did, yeah. Um, then it certainly wouldn't be as special as what it is, because that oh, wow. is, in my mind, what 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 gave it. You know the moment for me. If if they hadn't done that, I don't think we'd be talking about it as much as what we we have still done do. in the past, and 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 still do. Which is, which I say, is is sometimes a little bit hard to to fathom. To oh, honest, look, but it, you, I mean, I'm very fortunate to yeah. have been in that position and have done that because race car drivers they might spend their entire lives uh, racing cars and and not have a moment that um, yeah. you know that was as amazing for me as what that was. Uh, have you have you have you driven faster? That's enough. Have you driven faster quickly in a modern car? Have you driven faster in, in that circuit yet? Uh, have I you don't know. have you done better than two oh six eight five nine four in a modern supercar? Have you had a crack at it? I actually, I actually don't know. Oh, okay. So I sort of throw that one. Out. Okay, going to take a wee break. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Because we're drawing the books tonight. If you want a copy of Neil Crompton's new book, The Best Seat in the House, it's calls only, baby. And talk to us about Liam Lawson, Murph's Lap of the Gods. Because coming next, talk to Craig Baird, the Driver Standards Officer for Supercars, about the incident and what he might have done. Stick it right here. Race control on SENZ. 721, just a reminder, you can be in that draw to win those two books, one of the two books, because we're giving two away. Neil Crompton's new book, Best Seat in the House. But it's for callers only. Don't be shy now. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. We have been talking about the Liam Lawson debacle last week, so it's time to get a, a, a more astute brain on it as well. This man is a four-time Australian Career Cup uh, champion in Australia, five-time New Zealand Porsche GT3 champion, five-time New Zealand Touring Car champion, and it's 30 years, 30 years since Craig Baird won his first Formula Pacific title. That's Craig Baird, M-N-Z-M, <laughs> and is now the Driver Standards Officer for Supercars. Hello, mate. How are we? All right? Yeah, Mate, you're about as exciting as Murph. We just played the lap of the gods and went here and move on. Come on, pal. How are you? <laughs> oh, well, when you said it's 30 years since my first victory in a Pacific yeah. car, it just made me feel old. So oh. it just deflated me before we uh, <laughs> kicked the ball off. 
<laughs> hey, well, welcome to race control, uh, uh, Murph. Let, let's let's grill him on what he would have. What would you have done to Kevin Vanderlinder, mate? What? Oh, mate. Well, was, hold on. Just, just what did you look. did? You watch it? Did you watch it, Beto? Did yeah, you I see did. It I, I watched it. Yep. I've, I've still got a broken uh, TV in my lounge, but yep. um, yeah, I, I did watch it for sure. And, so tell um, us, just look, tell you, tell me what you what you actually what you saw and how you reacted first up before you did. Tell us what you would have done. <laughs> well, look, if if I go to the Saturday race first, it was it was yep. he left a bit of bit of a gap there. Um, Kelvin had a dive bomb, but there was a hole to dive bomb into, but he outbraked himself. So at the end of the day, he didn't make the corner, but he didn't really cause any drama either. So. It was sort of a play on on the Saturday. It was a, it was a, a very late move. He wasn't going to make the corner, and I think Liam looked at that overnight. And to be fair, I actually sent Liam a, a, a message. Whether he read it or not, I'm not sure. But I I said to him, just make sure you shut down that inside line. Leave no room. If he hits you in the back, uh, he, he won't turn you around. So shut it down. So you could see he went through turn one quite a bit wider. Mm. There was no room for the inside. No room for the dive bomb. But I thought it was a disgraceful move for Vanderlinder to then go off track limits, um, still outbreak himself, not make the corner, not even on the track. Then he's got to go over the concrete curving on the inside, and we all know the result, um, which happened to, to Lawson. And at that point, I thought they will just hand him at least the drive-through and be referred to the stewards afterwards. That's what I would have done. I would have gone drive-through penalty. Um, and that's only a, that, that's only the start of the, the program at that point because I can also refer it to the stewards or add, add more time or whatever. So the move was never on. Um, you take the championship leader out. You take the race leader out. You take his teammate out. And somebody that sends through a five-second penalty. Um, look, I've watched that championship all year. And, you know, if, if, if you go back to uh, even the Nürburgring round four, um, there was a small contact between Vanderlinder and Lawson. There was one position change. That was a five-second penalty. It mm. didn't turn a great season, which everyone's now sort of forgotten about, uh, a, a fantastic season from Liam Lawson, especially as a rookie, um, into a, such a disappointment for the young guy. You know, I would say the season's a disaster because I think it's actually morally and mentally it's, it's, it's building where he needs to be for the future. And we know he has a very bright future. So sometimes you... Uh, I'm not saying um, you, you have to go through the lows, but um, getting smashed that hard will make him mentally a stronger um, sportsman. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that too. I think, um, and and also the thing about it is, he has done things through the year which are just such standout. I mean, there's been comments from people like Gerhard Berger who, who you know, look at that and go, listen, he's he's destined for Formula One. You've got experts that have been in the game for long enough to see all that, and certainly Helmut Marco is. It's almost like this was a bit of a test for him too this year. Maybe I don't know what you think about that to be putting him in that in that championship just to to put him outside maybe what his comfort zone is and put a bit more load on him. Two different championships, two very different cars, um, and and you know allow him to learn and grow even even more. Do you, do you sort of see that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's very Red Bull-esque is to test them under extreme pressure. But I think what Liam did is probably blown them all away and yeah. and just sped the process. Um, obviously, he's having an F1 test and that now. Um, but look, his results on track, the way he carries himself off track, the way he presents, the way he talks, um, he's the complete package. Um very and much young. to me, like like Mitch Evans was, looks right. He, yeah, it's just about opportunities and where you land, and you know that better than anyone, Murph. Um, mm. New Zealand's had plenty of talent come through, and there's plenty more to come. Um, and when we talk about talent, we've we've, we've overlooked what Nick Cassidy did on the weekend. Yeah. Um, he he's in there in very difficult situations. Comes out of a Formula E car, but look, he's a guy that turns his hand to anything. He's a bit of an all rounder and very quick in everything. But that sh- sort of showed us what DTM is. Um, it's it's almost an old boys club. It's always had that tarnish to it where the last round, and Norris Ring's generally been the last round of the DTM since its inception in 84. They used to have three factory cars running for a manufacturer, and they come to the last round at the Norris Ring, they'd all run six cars. So it, it has come been a little bit of that DTM thing, but it needs to clean up. It's not the standard that, uh, you know, we can't play rugby the way we played rugby 30 years ago. Um, you used to be able to get away with the odd head-high tackle and carry on on play. Uh, nowadays, uh, a head-high tackle, you go for a little walk through the tunnel. Uh, motorsport's no different. Um, there's a duty of care for everyone, and I would have to say Calvin Vanderlinder, who has been a mate of mine, uh, I was teammates oh. with his dad, Sean Vanderlinder, in South Africa for a couple of years. I've wow. raced Calvin. I've raced Calvin in Australia and GT. Um, it's 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 not him, and he has come out and publicly apologised. I'm not not letting him off the hook. I think what he did was mm. disgraceful, and it will always be in my book. But he has come out and said, look, even his post-race um, comments of the right person won, etc. It was the heat of the moment. He was probably a little embarrassed, and we've all been there. We've all done the wrong thing and tried to cover the shame uh, one way, shape, or form. But, um, you know, he's, he's, he knows he's in the wrong. He's now apologised. That doesn't help Liam. But as I said earlier, I think, um, I think deep down we'll look back on this in 20 years' time when Liam Lawson's a world champion. At, well, not 20 years' time, but he'll be a world champion. I, I have no doubt about that. He'll... Uh, he'll go exactly the same place as uh, Verstappen has gone. Wow. You know, you mentioned you mentioned a minute ago, um, you know, uh, oh, jeez, actually, what did you say? It was really good what you were just talking about there. But, <laughs> but, I was, but it was about, about respect, right? Oh, it was, we've all made yeah. mistakes. We've all done things that we sort of regret, but not necessarily planned, premeditated, whatever. And I think that was probably a bit of a premeditated move. He made a decision well before the start of the race, what he was going to do at the start. But that, that in my book, you've, you've still got to have respect for drivers and 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 even if you reference you know what happened with and it's been referenced many times myself and and Mark Ambrose at the mountain 2005 with that crash and everything there's I respected and I still do have respected all the way through his his ability and, and everything might not have got on we might not have liked each other whatever but there's respect and there was a complete lack of respect for other race car drivers um at that moment right 
Yeah, for sure there was. Um, in in my opinion, there was no doubt it was premeditated. He thought there was going to be half a gap there, mm. as you and I would have. You, there's, there's, there's the opportunity. He probably, well, there was no doubt he had nothing to lose. So his yeah. his game plan when he went to bed was thinking, there's a gap there, there's a gap there. And the Audi is always very, very strong uh, under brakes. There's no no doubting that. And he knew there was a gap there the day before. He thought there'd be, be half again. the gap. He's he's going to muscle in there. They do. They're, they're fairly lenient in DTM uh, driver standards wise. And the plan, the game plan was was done um, mm. the night before. And I'm sure Audi have been around that championship long enough. Um, you know, I was also, you know, we've spoken about the the the, the Calvin Vanderlinder thing, but the Goss thing to me um, mm. left a really sour taste in in my mouth because I haven't been through their rule book like I do the supercar rule book, but I believe there's a rule in there that there's no team orders. Now they haven't taken that as team orders um, because they were no. trying to win a constructors constructors. Uh, championship which they did uh, and they had already won that one round previous but then to go into uh, you know what what it's like Murph winning winning a team's championship or construction is nothing really yeah the driver's yep. championship is is the one Where that they at. put up mm. in their museum again so they spend millions and millions of dollars, um, so they've walked up and down the pit lane and got everyone to pull over, which I I thought, even if they'd done it halfway through the race and made it look like one had had a puncture or just something, just <laughs> mm, let me down so slowly. Mm, yeah. But a blatant seven-second lead or six-and-a-half-second lead on a lap or two laps to go and then just pull over, I was like, that's just not right, especially when it's in their uh, rule book that there's no no well, team well, orders. Well, not it, it came I, two I minutes to believe. go. Two minutes to go happened, Beto. Two minutes, and you're going. Yeah, <laughs> and I I don't believe you should have rules in there. If you've got a rule in there, you've got to police it. So they should have been excluded from that race, in my opinion. The Mercedes Crazy. as a manufacturer, because they went outside their own rule book. Ah well, at least, um, at least, the one thing—the one thing that you, you, we all agree on—that it sucks. It's as simple as that. Beto, we've got to keep moving. Uh, thanks so much for giving yeah, us your cool. time. Hey, just quickly, thanks uh, for your la- time, bro. La- last time I spoke to you, you had a really nice red wine in your hand. What's your latest recommendation for a nice red wine? <laughs> oh, it's really—I it, it, I, I quite like a Tasmanian Pinot Noir, but uh, that's each to their own. <laughs> okay, no, we'll take that. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Craig. Appreciate your time. A Tasmanian Pinot Noir. Really great, great in New Zealand. <laughs> there we go. Craig Beard, the driving standards officer for supercars, uh, uh, agreeing with all of us uh, what happened to Liam Lawson. So if you've got thoughts on that and you it's want to win... It's people to agree, though. No, you're right, mate. But if you want to win that copy of Neil Compton's Best Seat in the House book, you've got to call us 0800 150811. Two copies to give away before 9 o'clock this evening. 0800 150811. Call us, tell us what the name of the book is and, and give us your thoughts on what we've been talking about so far on Race Control, where shortly we go to Scotland and talk to rally driver Emma Gilmore. 7.38, this is Race Control indeed. We go to the line to Whanganui right now. G'day, Chris. How are you, mate? Chris? Well, is that who I'm talking to? It's got Chris what I'm reading. Who am I talking to? 
Yeah, it's Craig. Oh, OK, Craig. My apologies. Oh, that'll what, do. No, uh, well, so the, uh, the answer to the question is what? What's the name of Neil Crompton's book? The Best Seat in the House. Brilliant, my friend. You are in the draw, which we draw tonight a little bit later on. Hey, just quickly, Murph's, lap, Murph's lap of the Gods. What does it mean to you? Well, actually, I watched that race, and um, it was absolutely brilliant. And I noticed that his understudy did just as well. As well. So I was quite pleased, really. No, back in the day, it was the best race in the house, you know. Bathurst weekend was, TV was on, and you'd forget about it. Um, Nobody could come in and bother you uh, when that happened. But the one I really liked, the one that has always bugged me was uh, Murph's five-minute penalty that he got at Bathurst, (laughs) and he stormed out of the car and went to the toilet. And I've always wanted to know what he was thinking at that time that he was storming out. You got all of the reports and everything like that, but you never really got an answer out of Murph. And I'd love to know what it was. Oh, on, that's Murph. interesting, Craig. Um, yeah, well, there was uh, it was one of those moments. You see, I was obviously reasonably uh, sort of uh, angry at that moment, uh, realizing I was what, what was going on. And I came down the pit lane, and I was just you know. Ab, you know, didn't want to sit in the car for five minutes, just absolutely fuming and getting hotter and hotter and hotter. So I was like, I'm just going to get out. But then when I got out and there's people everywhere and my team manager was looking at me going, what are you doing? Get out, get back in the car. We didn't even know if we are allowed to get out of the car. But then, then again, uh, no one had ever had a five-minute penalty before, so no one really knew what to do. No. But I got out and was like, I wasn't going to sit there for five minutes. And then I got out and realised there was people everywhere. And I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Where am I going to go? And so I just went, oh, I'm going to go into the portaloo and, um, you know, bash the shit out of that. And, uh, you know, while I'm there, I'll empty the bladder. So that's what I did. And everybody, everybody's yeah. watching. Everybody's, there was no real thinking. Cameras everywhere. Hey, Craig, you're in the draw. Thanks for the question, mate. We've got to keep moving because we're going Thank to you, Scotland. Craig. Yeah, not a Scotland right okay, now. Thank you, mate. I really appreciate it. 0800 150811. If you want to join Craig and the team from last week in the draw to win a copy of Neil Copeland's book, Best Seat in the House, but you've got to call. Uh, time to go to Scotland now. Good friend. Emma Gilmore is Scotland. stuck over there. G'day, Emma. How are you? She's laughing. I'm good. I, I, I enjoyed that story of uh, of Murph and the Portaloo. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are other you're stories. Easily, you're easily entertained, Emma. Easily entertained. <laughs> hey, Emma. Talk to us about. Uh, I know you've been trying to get back after your first uh, extreme rally, but you're stuck now. And you've, you're going to race uh, Sardinia shortly. But I'm, I'm a little bit excited the fact that you're teaming up with your your old friend Claire Mole and, and racing the Cambrian Rally on the 30th of October. How cool is this? Yeah, re- really excited. I mean, uh, yeah, like you touched on, I, I did the first round of the Extreme E series, and I did have a, a MIQ hotel book to come home to, but uh, got the opportunity to do the next round, which is in Sardinia next weekend. And by the time I got home, do, did my two weeks in a hotel, um, yeah, I would have probably had about two weeks of freedom before I had to get on a plane and come back. So I decided to stay. Um, and then whilst I was here, I was like, gosh, it's, it's such a good opportunity, um, you know, the, to, to race the an R5 car, which, you know, they're kind of like, they're not a WRC car, but they're the next best kind of vehicle out there. And I, um, you know, we don't get that opportunity to hire one in New Zealand. So, um, yeah, so I thought it, it was too good an opportunity to pass up. So um, hiring a car and, and competing in a round of the British Rally Championships in a few weeks' time. What, what, are the, what are the roads? What's that rally going to be like? Are you familiar with any of it at all? I mean, tell us, oh, it's North Wales, uh, so it, forests it, and... 
Yeah, it'll be largely forest. Um, I think some of the um, the forest had been used on. I think it was like one of the days of the um, rally of um, the WRC rally, um, rally of GB. So, wow. um, I mean, I did that rally a very long time ago. So I definitely wouldn't say I have experience of it. But um, yeah, it'll be largely forestry roads. I think. I haven't seen the schedule yet, but I think there might be some a tarmac stage as well. But it'll be on gravel tyres. So. Yeah. It was 2008, by the way, Emma, just to, just to remind you, as we were reminding Murph, it's 18 years ago since the lap of the gods. Uh, but I'm, I'm intrigued because uh, were, you asked, uh, were, you, were you asked to drive it? You've said you've hired the car. So is this you just fulfilling something you just want to do? Oh, God, let's just go and do something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, it's, uh, it, as we know, motorsport's expensive, but... Um, yeah, I just I just thought it's something I want to do. It's uh, yeah, hopefully something else might come of it. I'm I'm really lucky, lucky that mm. um, you know Vantage Windows and Doors, who's my New Zealand sponsor, um, you know they they're helping me out towards uh, doing it, awesome. which is great. Um, so yeah, so I mean it's just I am sitting here idle, and it and it's it's awful seeing all these events come and go, and you and you can't be driving in them. So I thought no, I'll, I'll do something about that, and we'll go make it happen. Got to say, the new haircut looks good too, by the way, as you posted on Instagram. Because there's nothing like, there's a lot of people, mate, there's a lot of people in Auckland that can't get a haircut still, and it's going to be a long time before they, they can get one. Hey, I'm really intrigued about this uh, Nico Rosberg's Extreme E rally. They are crazy looking beasts, but what's the format like for you? Uh, the hardest thing is is that it's such a short race weekend. Uh, you know, they're, they're really cool vehicles. They're fully electric. So, um, yeah, a lot of fun to drive, uh, good power and everything. But um, due to them being fully electric, you, you don't get unlimited kind of driving in them. You know, we basically get, um, we get a free practice on the, on the Friday, which means, we, me and the, my co-driver, um, we each get a lap driving the car. Uh, on Saturday, uh, we uh, have two qualifying sessions. So, again, we get a lap each. And then uh, you then go through the semifinals on Sunday and then hopefully you get through to the final. So, uh, all in all, it's very limited seat time, which makes it quite challenging because uh, you don't even uh, get to drive the course um, for a practice lap, you actually go and walk the course. So the first time you see it is in that practice session at sea. So, yeah, it makes it quite challenging just trying to get up to speed as fast as possible with such little seat time. You say challenging, um, but I sort of also hear and read between the lines uh, that it's, you know, it's a long way away from, from getting close to you know, what you're used to and, and being able to, you know, uh, spend time in the car and have that extensive amount of time doing special stages, that kind of stuff. How do you, where do you see it sort of progressing to? Is it, is it, is it a fad, do you think? Or is it going to have growth? Is it going to get more? Is it going to get better? Because, I mean, going all that way, spending all that money to do very limited amount of time in a car like that, you know, how, how, how long can you, can you do that for before it gets tiring? Which you're talking about the Extreme E series. The Extreme yeah, E series, yeah. I think, is um, yeah, it's it's on the way up. You know, there's a lot of um, teams involved with it. Obviously, Nico Rosberg has a team, and Lewis Hamilton has a team. Jensen Button has a team. Um, Andretti Racing's got a team. So there's some really big um, names in motorsport there behind it. And uh, Alexander Agrog, who's behind the Extreme E series, he was the uh, person that got, you know, um, Formula E started and I guess the same question could have been asked when that first started and uh, and we can see how successful that series has been. I think, uh, you know, it's not it's not trying to replace 
really. It's, it's a new kind of motorsport and it's appealing to a younger audience. So, uh, you know, it has that environmental side of it as well. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, having a, a, a grid, for example, that's 50-50 male and female, I mean, that's never been done before in motorsport. So, you know, there's a lot of really exciting things about it and I think it's still on the up. I mean, every every motorsport has its day, doesn't it? But um, I definitely feel like it's still at the start of its, its climb. Yeah, I, I like I like it, Emma. I'm not so sure about Formula E, but I certainly like this one because crazy vehicles, cool format and, and different territory. Mate, we've got to keep moving. Thanks so much for giving us your time. I know you love it. Good luck, too. Have you, by the way, have you done your workout yet? Thank you. Have you had your workout for the morning yet? <laughs> No, I, I was waiting to talk to you guys, so I'll get on to that now. All right, hit the bike, have a run, and thanks so <laughs> hey, much for joining us. Have a us. great one, Emma. Look forward to seeing you back in New Zealand Thank at some you. stage, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed I win the MIQ lottery at some stage. You will. Somewhere <laughs> along the way, you will. Emma Gilmore, live from Scotland, going to be in the Cambrian Rally October 30, and then next weekend, October 23 and 24, the latest round of the Extreme E in Sardinia. We'll, we'll wrap this first up uh, shortly here on SNZ Race Control. 7.52 on SCNZ Race Control. Speaking of Bathurst, no Earl Bamber this year, Murph. He was going to drive with Andre Heimgartner for Kelly Grove Racing, but his IMSA commitments have uh, in America have kept him out, which is a bit of a shame. But it looks like the talk once again that Matthew Payne, the, who we were still waiting, waiting to you know potentially confirm that second drive at Kelly Grove, will uh, partner uh, Andre at Bathurst. Well, maybe not. Wow. Well, well, maybe mean, not. What a, what a rise to... Uh, to start him very, very quickly, that'd be amazing. And then, you know, why not? Give him a shot, I suppose. He doesn't have the experience up there, but um, the way he's been going, I think you'd probably um, uh, impress. Um, but I'd say Earl Bamber's situation too would be quite difficult in trying yeah. to get into Australia. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know... I tell you, I tell you someone, someone else I'd like to see is uh, who we're going to talk to after 8 o'clock. Uh, Earl Bamber, ah, sorry, Nick Cassidy. I reckon Nick Cassidy would go great at Bathurst, wouldn't he? Oh, uh, 100% guaranteed he yeah. would go great there. But again, it, it's around schedules and the ability to... Uh, right now, it's very, very difficult to actually manage anything. We're just talking to Emma Gilmer a minute ago. She doesn't have a spot, um, yeah. you know, to be able to come back to New Zealand at the moment with the MIQ. And, and Australia's a bit locked down at the moment, albeit uh, hopefully uh, it is going to start changing quite quickly in New South Wales and maybe Victoria before too long. Yeah. And um, it'll uh, make it a little bit easier. Yes, all the doom and gloom merchants are suggesting Auckland could be in this lockdown for some time as they think cases might expand. Explode, which is uh, not much well, fun. Uh, uh, thanks, mate. Mm. Thanks. You can sit in Hawke's Bay well, and feel, it's just, feel, it's feel happy. It's a fact of life. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, let's just talk It'll some... It'll be here before we know it. S- settle down. Silly season. Uh, James Courtney re-signed with Tickford, multi-year deal, uh, and Jake Kostecki has left Matt Stone Racy to join Tickford, which pushes uh, um, Jack LeBrock out. Jack LeBrock. Yeah, what do you think LeBrock ends yeah. up? Uh, it may not end up anywhere. Um, it comes down to money, and you can imagine at the moment with... Uh, uh, Supercars being on hold and, and uh, not a lot of income coming into a lot of these teams, um, it's created a bit of a situation. And, and uh, no disrespect to um, Kostecki, but he's paying for that ride. So uh, Jack LeBrock was paying for the ride at um, uh, we were at Tickford, <laughs> and um, Jake Kostecki will be paying for his ride. So, you know, he, he did say um, that he can't hide there at Tickford. He's got nowhere to hide. He has got yeah, three very right. fast teammates. Um, Thomas Randall's going to be there uh, full-time next year as well, alongside 
uh, assumingly, uh, well, it will be. It will be um, Cam Waters resigns Mr. Waters, Cam yeah. Waters, and um, yeah, Courtney's got a gig there, which which isn't tied to the boost money, um, and I know that for a fact. And Peter Addison has come out and said that as well. So um, they've decided to keep James on, and and they'll have to, to find the budget some way or another yeah. to do it. But uh, you know, good, yeah, Jake is. It's going to be interesting to watch Jake. I mean, he's. He's proven that he's got some some skills and some speed. He's been around now in supercars for quite a long time, driving those cars. Um, but yeah, this is going to be the test to, to actually see. Now there is no excuses. He's not a rookie anymore. Um, he's going to have to step up and, and produce. And when you're up against teammates of that caliber, um, you will you know you'll sink or swim. And of course, Hunter Mackeray starting to hopefully test for Indy Lights, which is exciting too. Well, he is going to test. He is going yeah. to test, and, and I know that it's one hundred percent. And yeah. of course, Billy Fraser is uh, testing right now for Indy Pro with Exclusive Motorsport. All right, that's the first hour done. Coming your way after eight o'clock, live from Monaco. That's right, Nick Cassidy, and your chance to be a winner. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. If you want to win a copy of Neil Compton's book, Best Seat in the House, call us. You could be a winner here on Race Control. Yes, we will. It's just got 8 o'clock on Race Control nationwide and around Australia here on SENZ and SENZ if, and if you're listening on the app. And time to head all the way to Monaco. Nice place to be if you've got a flash car or if your salary's well paid, which is for, it would appear for Formula E racer. Uh, Nick Cassidy, life's okay because I, I see, uh, was it yesterday, Nick, that you were playing on the clay court somewhere with uh, Lucas Degrassi, a bit of tennis, you mean, me old boy? <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just here sleeping on his sofa, mate. Um, no flashcards. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to it. Oh my goodness! I heard that you're a massive Thorn Reeve fan and wanted to keep you on the show. So I thought that, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there goes the call out straight away. How are you, mate? There it is. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm I'm good. Um, great, great to to be on here, guys. Thanks for. For getting me on for a chat, it's been been too long. Well, it's going to be a long one, so just settled in and on Lucas's couch with your your <laughs> your pims or whatever flash sparkling yeah. water you uh, you're having at the moment. Here we go. <laughs> hey, uh, are, D- you, are, you, are you having to are you having to uh, get in on his Wi-Fi as well, mate? Because you're struggling to be able to afford a, a SIM card, or what's the go? Yeah, I asked him for a phone, so I hope that this one's working all right. Um, but no, I think it's, I think it's all good, mate. Mate, you, you are you are full of it. I've seen your I've seen your Insta post, mate. You are, you are living the life of Riley, but and and deservedly so. Talk to us about yep. your DTM weekend and Al, uh, driving the Alfa Tori Ferrari. Uh, for, first of all, your own experience of having having a nudge at DTM. Um, I guess there's a, there's a fair bit to talk about from that one. Um, mm. Yeah, I so I think overall it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I've had a little bit to do with DTM before um, with the, the previous generation cars, which uh, I've been racing in, in Japan with Super GT as well, and, and we've done the, the joint race and things and at the end of last year, or two years ago, um, at Fuji. So I knew what DTM was kind of about, but obviously it's had a, a pretty big change this year going to, to GT3. And um, watching watching Liam and, and Alex this year, they've been doing a, a pretty good job, so... 
it was entertaining and um and then to go into the final round uh yeah i i don't know i mean i didn't expect to to be competitive as i i haven't really done much gd3 stuff before and um i kind of kind of went better than than i was expecting so that yeah that was pretty cool and unfortunately it didn't really work out for for the team and for for liam but uh overall it was it was quite a nice experience anyway yeah, the the, um, the Ferrari, the GT3 car there, uh, I mean, it's is it uh, pretty well the same as what other people would be running in other categories? Is Are they exactly the same in DTM, the, the GT3 car? I I honestly don't know. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I, really, I, really have, I really have very, very little information about it. Um, I know that the BOP is slightly different for, for DTM. They do their own. BOP yeah. and of course there's that little little game between manufacturers each weekend, um, yeah. and to be honest, quite lucky to to walk into the final round where, I mean, the manufacturers going for the championship were throwing everything at it. Right, there was no there was no hiding from anyone, so that was pretty cool. Hey, let's talk about. Uh, was it, has that been? Oh, sorry, Steve. Team orders. Uh, has I, that I, been quite hard then for Ferrari this year, um, being that there was only the the two the two cars hard for AF Corsa. Being that they only had the two to work with, when obviously there's, um, you know, Mercedes and uh, Audi had a lot, a lot more cars. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I think Audi, Audi, Audi played the, the game quite well. Ferrari do as well. Um, it's just, I guess, um, that's off-record comment, right? So, um, <laughs> you're right. It, it's uh, yeah, exactly. Um, no. Especially if you've got a, like Mercedes have seven or eight cars, it's quite difficult for them to, to control the performance. So, um, always Mercedes cars because they have so many are quite close. Whereas I think uh, Audi and Ferrari, they kind of have to split the cars on performance a little bit. Um, obviously, if you've got two cars at the front, your BOP is not going to be not going to be that great. Whereas if you've got one at the front and one one a few turns back, it's a bit easier to, to argue. Um, a few things. You saw what happened uh, to, to Liam. You know what happened from from the first corner. But I got the impression, and the, and the commentators were making it quite clear. You had the opportunity to try and spoil the party. When did you get the message to say, "Hey, do you think you can have a crack at this?" I was driving with, a, with an Italian team. I don't think that the radio was was that calm <laughs> and clear um, after that. <laughs> it, was, it was quite funny. We we didn't say a word for the first ten laps. Even even after the incident, I didn't, didn't jump on the radio. Um, I just knew that <laughs> what the situation kind of was. Um, but yeah, I was, I was man. I, I had actually had like a mega race in race two, and in a weird way, it made it a lot of fun for, for me to to be far back and and to to come through. Um, and the, the only thing that I wasn't really aware of was that. Um, most guys had already done their pit stop because they were half a lap ahead and you lose more or less one lap when you when you box. Um, you don't really see when other guys are pitting or not, whereas sometimes, you know, other categories or other racetracks, you see when guys are out of sequence quite easily. Um, and so at the end of the race, I was, I was coming for Gotts and, and Jungadea there and uh, I think it maybe eight or nine laps to go and I got the call um, okay when you get to the Mercedes we'll box and I was kind of thinking to myself well hang on guys we 
I don't think that the undercut will work. Surely they're waiting for me to get to them and we'll box one lap later. But, yeah, that already already boxed. So I had, wasn't really aware of that. Um, and then when I've come back out, I've obviously been behind the group of them. Um, but time was kind of against my against against me. So, yeah, I probably got a bit impatient at the end there trying to get to God. So I knew if I didn't clear them... Um, his little defenders quickly that I wasn't going to get to, to got. So, yeah, it didn't quite work out, but but nearly. What was the, what was the sort of the, the game plan um, on the weekend, knowing obviously where, where the championship was at and you were arriving in that situation? Obviously, the it was really important for, for Ferrari, of course, to take out the uh, the team. Oh, no, which one did they win? Uh, sorry, the teams, wasn't it? Uh, the teams, teams championship? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. what was... What was the um, what was sort of discussed and uh, behind the scenes and you know what mm, expectation? I mean, you obviously just said before that you didn't expect to be so fast, but you turned out to be very quick straight away. Um, so, was there much of a sort of a plan amongst the two of you to try and uh, work together? And, and clearly, you know, that all went wrong. But um, did you discuss that and how you were going to try and support Liam? Um, honestly, not until Sunday, or until or probably until Saturday. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I arrived, it was more, I don't think that they were expecting me to, to really be in the game either. I, I'd only done the half day with them earlier in the year in May, um, and nothing else. And so they were quite aware I was short on mileage and short on driving time this year. Um, so I think they were quite surprised and equally myself, um, with where the performance ended up being and how far. Um, I could kind of, or how much I could influence the game in the end. And um, we ended up having to do a fair bit, fair bit with the car and things. I don't think we were quite where we were wanting to be or where they were wanting to be with that second car throughout the year. And um, obviously Liam was doing a, a great job and being, being the reference at Norris Ring. Um, but then on my side of the garage, it wasn't all plain sailing. And so... We had a fair bit to sort out, but we're each session kind of getting through the list of things and just getting stronger and stronger. And then by race one, the pace was quite good, and I could um, basically put pressure on Van der Linde through that race. And I mean, and this was probably one of the worst things for me that that went unnoticed. Um, that I was running long into the race and kind of come up. <laughs> it was quite funny actually in, in the. In the briefing before the race, I said, all right, well, in the end, it doesn't really matter for me where I finish, but for Liam to score max points and be risk-free on strategy, the best thing to do is to run me to the end of the race and to have Liam not a lap down to me, and, and they couldn't really work it out. And I said, well, <laughs> if I'm behind Liam with a one-lap pit stop, he's going to come out in front, and as long as I'm running to the very end of the race, any car, any time that there's a safety car in the race, everyone behind me on track goes a lap down, and Liam and any other car will obviously catch the field and be guaranteed for a, a top three finish, essentially. Um, and so my whole strategy was, all right, be the first car behind Liam, keep him on the lead lap and everyone else a lap down, and run to the last lap, and, and it's really safe for the team. And so I think... Yeah, halfway through that first race, Van der Linde's come out of the pits in front of me and for about seven or eight laps had blue flags and not been wanting to give way to me because 
obviously if he does he loses race time but also he'll go a lap down um oh. but yeah that went that went that went ignored um the stewards i think weren't wanting to give a penalty for that to not disrupt the the championship game and wow. obviously yeah that was for me quite bullshit because at the same time had i been cleared there i mean i would have come out of the box and in second probably given the place back to mm. liam which which is a, irrelevant really yeah. but yeah but been on the podium with liam day, day one and um so that's where the games kind of started and obviously uh yeah Audi wow. and Vanderlinde were pretty pretty worked up about that. Wow, <laughs> that that is that has opened up a whole new can of whoop ass when you that think about. A, that's a great piece that is of a, information. Amazing, amazing. So those dumbass uh, stewards really and didn't really know what they were doing. Hey, no, no, I want to I want to say that. But, uh, I mean, like, oh, sorry, I did. Stewards, stewards in any championship. <laughs> no, no, be, but being serious, like, mm. yeah, but mm. being serious, like stewards in any championship have a bloody tough tough role. And you know, if, yeah. It's it's it is it is tough, I think. But um, it was more it was more um, political. Day two, I think. No, no, I'm I'm leading into not being political. Um, <laughs> you are, you are You're two, beautifully political yeah. right now by saying I said it rather than you said it, and that's fine, mate. Hey, don't go anywhere. Look, just go make yourself a quick little uh, a little prick little espresso on Lucas DeGrasse's coffee machine, and we'll come back to you in just a moment. We've got to take a wee break and have a quick chat to uh, Cheryl from Marston and who's called in. G'day, Cheryl. Hi. How you doing? Not bad, thank you. So, why have you rung race control, of which we are very happy that you have? Coincidentally, my son rang me from work and he says, Ma, turn the, tape, the radio on SCNZ and go in the drawer to win the book called The Best Seat in the House. And he rang me about 15 minutes later and says, did you get the right <laughs> name well, of the book? Well, you have actually. You're, you're on the money. Best Seat in the House is the name of the book. And uh, you are in the drawer to win that before nine o'clock, Cheryl. So thank you so much for calling. Thank you, and it's great listening. I've only tuned into the station recently, and it's great listening, mate. Well, we love having Good you on here you. on HCNZ, so uh, stay by the phone because if you win it, we might just call you back and say you're a winner. Cheryl, OK? Cheers, thank you. Thanks, guys. You're more, you're more than welcome. 8.13 here on SNZ. Back with Nick Cassidy in just a moment on Race Control. 8.17, if you want a chance to win Neil Crompton's book, The Best Seat in the House, give us a call like the lovely Cheryl from Masterton did on 0800 150 That's 0800 150 Two copies of the book to give away before 9 o'clock, but you've got to call us and not text us. Nico, uh, let's just, uh, before we talk Formula E, because we do want to talk to you about your first season um, full-time in Formula E, uh, just, just give us the rundown from your perspective um, of what did actually happen at the start of uh, race two there in the, in the final round of the championship and, and, and then, you know, uh, all the uh, rollout of what happened afterwards. Um, yeah, inter- interesting one. I think... Uh... For, for me, race one and race two were very different um, incidents. I think on on yep. race in race one, obviously he's gone through a bit of a, a desperate lunge. Um, I mean, I, I said to Liam after the race, I said, "Look, yeah, maybe the move was was desperate, but there was half a car was there. He did have the opportunity yep. to 
to go for that space. I said, day two, man, you just don't leave him, leave him any space. He's not going to go around the outside of you. you. You break where you want to make the corner, but just don't give him that opportunity. And Liam did a fa- fantastic job of that, fully covering to the inside. And so I think that's what really changed the, the two incidents. Um, on mm. top of that, I'd had quite a good start as well and kind of boxed him in behind Liam. And if I was breaking quite late. And I think, you know, in theory, Liam could have taken the corner. I would have gone around the outside and we'd been one, two. And I reckon yeah. he knew that if I was second out of that first corner, there was no chance of him getting to Liam that race. Um, yeah. And so it was quite desperate on that first corner to stay in front of me. Um, and I mean, okay, whether he's probably half of his, in, in his mind before the start, he's probably thought, I'm going to attack Liam. He was probably surprised that Liam covered that much. And then secondly, he's tried to more or less break where I have or um, close to it to try to keep that position. But from the start of the breaking zone, um, being on the ABS and not being able to do anything, and kind of gone to the inside to avoid everyone, um, which has ended up looking like a clumsy, clumsy pass. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, it wasn't a clear, I'm just going to lunge at all, at all costs. I think there was a bit more to it than that. But ultimately, um, a huge mistake, which just destroyed Liam's race. What was well? How I mean, we've we've we we saw visibly he wears his heart on his sleeve. Does Liam? How long? What was the first thing you said to him after it all it all transpired and you you got off the racetrack and sort of just hanging around with the team? Um, just said he'd done his, a great job all season and and to be honest, in my opinion, whether he won that championship or finished second is not going to change his his future. And I told him that. Yeah, I said, look. Yeah. You've you've done a, I mean it's it's all great for the CV. We all we all want a great CV, but you've proved a massive point this year, and um, it's not going to change what you do next year or the year after that in the end. So um, I just kind of reinforced that to him and yeah, went in for the handshake and he went in for the hug and had a little moment. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. cool. And I just I just thought it was um, you know very fitting and and just awesome that the, uh, you were there. Supporting him, I mean, two Kiwis driving in the same team in the DTM in the final round and two Kiwi flags on, on those cars was just awesome. And, I, and also, you know, it, unfortunately, the whole weekend is sort of taken away a little bit and it's great that we've got you on tonight to talk about your performance because, mate, you should be very proud of uh, what you've done. And we know, you know, I'm a fan and you've got a lot of fans over here of, of what you're capable of doing. So I hope that um, that has actually been recognised as well. Uh, but let's move on to you know, Formula E. Um, you know, it, it, we've talked about this uh, off air and in other moments about you know that this championship and and what it's all about and what it means for you and that kind of stuff. So, give us uh, give us your scorecard and, and your thoughts on on your your season this one and and um, you know what were the challenges? What were the toughest things about uh, being in that championship? Yeah, it was quite it was quite an interesting for us here, man. I mean. Um, score scorecard for for me is, isn't great. I I'm in some ways really proud of the first season, but I'm at the same time super frustrated. I mean, it was such an, an up and down year. I feel like I was either yep. first or last kind of thing. Um, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was really up and down. Um, at the same time, a lot of a lot of guys were. It was a little bit the nature of the championship, but of course there are 
there are always moments where um you know you know yourself you you think you have a, a great opportunity it doesn't always come together um on multiple occasions so yeah tough tough championship um performance on a single lap and at certain tracks was a lot better than i expected but yeah that consistency was was worse than i expected so um hard to hard to race it really so it's it's a, it's such a competitive championship because one minute you can have a great run and then the next minute you can have a really crappy run so the challenge for you has always been about and i think you and i spoke about this before somewhere else was about the the technical technical aspect of it learning this new technical game having just jumped out of a ttm car are you sure you want to go back into an electric car yeah yeah i mean to, to be honest, I, I, I want to do more um, outside of Formula E as well, but the Formula E, um, the amount I learn in that championship and the level of that championship is unreal, um, I, I really must say. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to next season, having another crack. It, it won't be won't be easy for sure, but, um, yeah, I think the level of engineering um, and, and the teams is is pretty extraordinary at the moment and, and also to have... 20 was 24 now 22 professional drivers in the championship makes it makes it pretty um pretty awesome as well yeah i've actually got the points up in front of me uh for the season and and just talking about the competitors and i I have been very much aware of that and it is it's got to be the most competitive as far as driver the list of drivers go the most competitive championship there is out there and the you you finish 15th in the in the season and i'm just looking at the the top 15 the last four races every single driver has at least one no point scoring race amongst them you know no one really has dominated at all it's and how close that championship is you know all the way through in the point standing you know how it went down to the wire i mean that's that is what you want in a championship it's not necessarily what every driver wants because they'd like they just want to win but but i mean it's phenomenal how difficult it must be to try and get a run um you know a run in, in in formula e yeah, um, I mean, like, even in that, the point standings, I finished, what, 15th, but less than a race win off the championship win. You know, went into the final yep. weekend thinking, if if things go my way here or we end up with a competitive package, we'll be fighting for the championship. <laughs> and um, it ended up nowhere. So it's it's really quite frustrating on, on that respect. I think a little bit depends on, like I say, your, your package working at certain tracks and certain conditions, temperatures. Um, and then when when things are working for you, you kind of need to bag the points. Um, and because I think all the drivers are on a pretty decent level and, and the teams are operating quite well, um, it's, everyone has that swing of performance depending on where their car is working. And um, it makes it quite, quite interesting. But uh, obviously with the, the quality format and things last year, um, there was a lot of talk about that and, and guys maybe not scoring some points when they should have at certain races where the championship um, had a, or the, the track was, was very dirty or something in qualifying. But I think that the last three weekends or so were were quite quite fair and it just more come down to who had the best performance in those last three weekends, which obviously um, DeVries really nailed and I think that made the difference for him. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it was uh, it was a pretty amazing end to it. Um, hey, you mentioned just before about other things, you know, other than Formula E. I mean, you got to have one one race in a in a, a car with a combustion engine this year. What 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 is or what are you looking at working on? What would you like to be doing uh, to supplement um, this right now? And and are there opportunities out there for someone like you? Yeah, so, uh, there's always opportunities out there. I think um, the hard thing is just making all, all work. To be honest, man, because you speak to teams or manufacturers and, and they all want priority. They all want, you know, their program to be the main thing. And with Formula E and the amount of races and simulator time and things like that, it's really hard to have um, yeah. time available from December till August kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of about finding a, a program which either doesn't have too many race weekends or you can do partial races. And so for me, I think that that's a little bit DTM in the relationship with Red Bull, depending on what, what happens there and what they want to do. I always enjoy working with them, as you know, and um, maybe WEC or something like that as well. Uh, I really want to do Le Mans. I think that looks like an amazing race. Pretty gutted to have missed out on it the last two years. And um, that's probably on the top of the list and, and then any anything to, to support that, to be better prepared for that, really. What about Bathurst, buddy? Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it would be would be awesome, but I think in, uh, in supercars I'd get my ass kicked, mate. They're, they're, oh, um, what a lot of rubbish. No, no, it's it's different, isn't it? You've I driven mean, them like, before, a long time to, ago, but you've... Yeah, but Bathurst, Bathurst is, is, uh, is next level, so... That wouldn't, that wouldn't be easy to jump down, I've got, down there. I've got so no, much it, more confidence in your ability than you have then. To be honest, I, to be honest, actually, yeah, you, you're right. I, I, listened to, um, I listened to the ad just before I jumped on and said, what's the difference between Greg Murphy and Stephen McIver? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that the same, same difference between you and me, is it? Oh, please. Hey, Nico, I, I, before, before we let you go back to the sunshine, the clay courts, the casino of the Principality of Monaco. <laughs> and take your shirt off. Yeah, take your shirt off and, and hop on your bike and do all that stuff that you put on your Instagram. I do have to ask a personal question. Um, your partner, is her name Luani? Luena? Luena? Yeah, yeah. Just going to ask you: Have you put a <laughs> have you put a ring on the finger yet? It's been a while. Just ask it. Oh, here, here we go. Hey, what are you up to this week, man? You, you doing much? <laughs> <laughs> good comeback. Hey, Nick Cassidy, it's been always, yeah. it is always a pleasure. So always a pleasure having uh, you on the show, mate, and and chatting about us. But we wish you the best of luck. And don't worry, we'll be calling you again to talk about Formula Uh, as Murph mm. likes to call it. But, <laughs> uh, but be safe, and uh, here's hoping we see you sometime soon. Awesome. Hey, thanks very much, guys. It's been, been great catching up. Cheers. You're more than welcome. Nick Cassie, Principality of Monaco, or Monaco. Not a bad spot, I'm If it's 8.30, this is Race Control on SENZ. We're going to talk uh, motorbikes next with Jake Lewis, three-time New Zealand Superbike champion. But remember, before 9 o'clock, we could be calling you and saying you've won a copy of Neil Crompton's new autobiography called The Best Seat in the House. If you want us to, if you want to be in the chance, uh, have a chance to win it, gosh, Stephen, yeah. come on. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. And you could be a winner with race control on SENZ. 
834 on a Thursday night. Every Thursday night, this is Race Control Around New Zealand. If you want to check out the app, it's SENZ. If you're in Australia listening, because we get some texts in from Australia, you're listening on the SEN app. G'day, Joseph. Uh, Napier, is that right? Yes, I'm Napier. Yeah, mate, uh, you've rung us because you'd like to try and win a copy of Neil Crompton's book, right, his autobiography. Yes, uh, it's the best thing in the house. It is the best seat in the house, mate. You just you've nailed it there. Um, is there anything you want to ask Murph before we move on? Uh, talked a few times, Murph, around the world. <laughs> okay, oh, well, good stuff, bro. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, and you live in the no, same I live town. In, uh, Napier. Yeah, I live in Napier. Nice. Hey, do you have proper nice. broadband? Because he doesn't. I don't. <laughs> yep, no. I do. Oh, he lives. He lives in the, boon, the boonies somewhere. I, I don't need know. a very long uh, patch cable to plug into <laughs> Joseph's Wi-Fi. Hey, Joseph, uh, stay, just uh, stay near your phone. We might give you a call, and you could be a winner. Okay, bud. I've, I've also met you, um, Stephen. <laughs> you can't. Can, you can, have we really? Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, and. Uh, Hampton Downs go-kart track. Uh, Hampton Downs go-kart track. Well, there you go. Well, you can't mistake me from Greg Murphy because I'm a good-looking one. Hey, uh, (laughs) thanks for the call, bud. You may just get a call from us. Stay stay by the phone. 0800 150811. If you want one more chance to uh, give us a call and be in the draw to win Crompo's autobiography called The Best Seat in the House. Time to talk bikes. No Avalon, but her other half, we can't call him the better half because he's the other half, but he's a Yamaha factory rider in New Zealand here, and that's our very own Jake Lewis, three-time New Zealand Superbike champion. Hello, mate. G'day, guys. How are you? Wow. Okay. What is, what is, it, what is it with the guys here? Like, you know, Avalon is so much more exciting. She goes, g'day, how are you? And you give us the g'day, mate. How are you? Are you he's right? nervous. He's nervous. He can't be nervous. He's got to do a good job, Stephen. If, he, if he's not better than Avalon, he's, this could be the first and last time he gets on the show. <laughs> How are you, bud? Exactly. Yeah, very good, thanks. All right, let's talk about British Superbikes, shall we? Because it's the final showdown this weekend at Brands Hatch, and they're saying this is one of the closest it's been in 10 years. So Taryn McKenzie sits on 11.27, O'Halloran and Jason on 11.17, both Yamahas, by the way, and then there's a couple of Dukes, uh, Christian Eden and Tommy Bridewell, 11.12, 11.06. Right now, and you'd know Brands Hatch, I'm assuming, uh, who's what bike's this going to suit? Oh, to be honest, I'm probably a little bit biased. I'm going to say the Yamaha, but... Um, the way those boys have been going all year, to, to be honest, both Jason and Taryn, um, I think they've had just about the speed of everyone. Um, but Jason, for the end of the season, hasn't been going too good for him. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. If, but you never know if BSB is. Insane. Yeah, well, Christian Eden had a great weekend last weekend. If you remember, he uh, podiumed in all three races and actually put himself right in the box seat this weekend. And O'Halloran uh, fell off a little bit, a bit like Jonathan Ray. We'll talk about that in just a moment. I mean, who who's under the most pressure? Is it McKenzie? Because he's been up and down a little bit in the last three, four weeks. Yeah, well, it's pretty hard. To be honest, I'm, I'm sure they're all feeling the pressure, really. But... Um... Yeah, I don't know. McKenzie's going to be feeling it, but he's one of those guys who just goes out there and gives it 100% every time he goes out. So uh, it's going to be all on, that's for sure. So I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, by the it's way, a, it's a, sorry, it's, go, go Murph. Oh, sorry. It is a, it's a wild track um, on a bike by the looks of it. I mean, I've watched uh, Superbikes and around there before, and, man, Brands Hatch... The, the, there's no room for error around so much of that back part of that circuit it's and the undulation of it as well it's got to be physical oh exactly i've never actually ridden there but it's uh it does it looks 
crazy. The undulation, like you say, and it's so fast. Um, but on a bike, it yeah. must be, yeah, <laughs> crazy stuff. It's probably the closest thing you get to like the Isle of Man sort of TT kind of thing. It's um, on a closed mm. circuit. So, uh, no, those boys, uh, they certainly earn their, <laughs> earn their keep around there. So, um, yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, would it be would it be one of the most competitive classes in motorbikes that you you see anywhere? Oh, definitely. As a national championship, probably the most competitive in the world. Um, below, obviously, Superbike, World Superbike, sorry, and, and MotoGP. But you see how many guys are able to win races across the different events. Um, you would have to, yeah, be, be uh, probably is the most competitive um, bike championship out there at the moment. So pick a winner, and, and is it still going to be Yamaha rider? But if it is, which one? <laughs> well, I don't know if I can pick an Aussie to win, so uh, oh, I might mate. have to go with old McKenzie. <laughs> mate. Oh, you, you can, you can. You know, one of our cross-the-ditch cousins. It'd be all right, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right, yeah, let, let, let's move on because we're uh, Superbikes this weekend. Penultimate round of World Superbikes, which again is turning into one of the most competitive, even, uh, mm. even what's his name? Vale Yellow. What's his name? Rossi. That's right, that bloke. Valentino Rossi. Oh, my God. I know, I'm having a moment, aren't I? Valentino Rossi said it's, he loves watching World Superbikes at the moment. They're in uh, Argentina at the Circuito San Juan. San Juan? Vilukum. That's the name of the circuit. Just thought I'd do my silly accent to make it sound more exotic. Uh, top rack, 478. Jonathan Ray, defending champion. Mr. Six-time, 454. And Scott Redding, 424. Who wins and why? Because looking at the, the track design, there's a cracking great uh, straight in this one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the straight is incredibly long. It's... Uh... Yeah, a bit of a different sort of circuit. I know the guys, uh, they didn't get to compete there last year, but back in 2019, I think there was a few actually complaints um, due to the circuit and safety and things like that being brand new. So um, it'll be interesting to see what comes around this year, but both Johnny Ray and and Top Rack were on the podium, I think, all three races back in 2019. So um, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be down to those two boys again. And um, it's certainly going to be gloves off by the looks of it. <laughs> so, have top... you been? Have you been sort of uh, like we have, and we talked to Avalon about? Have you been sort of like me, sitting on the edge of your seat this year? I mean, it has just been a classic season uh, of motorsport where yeah, it becomes harder and harder as the season goes on to to actually work out, which is but which is what MotoGP's been like the last few seasons. But Superbikes, you know, we've, we're just so used to seeing Jonathan Ray in control. I mean, it's just been, I, I'm sure he doesn't like it so much, but you've, he's got to also, you know, look at the season and how exciting it's been for the fans. I mean, it's just, it has been a special year. Oh, totally, yeah. It's um, probably been the best year of Superbikes in the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 um, to actually have, yeah. like you say, Johnny's dominated for the last six, seven, eight years and to have someone who's consistently been able to battle and beat him uh, has been fantastic, but Definitely edge of the seat stuff every race, every round. Um, yeah, it's been very, very cool. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Um, I know Av's a massive fan of Top Rack. Oh, <laughs> she was. Don't, don't, you, don't, you don't have to tell her nothing we don't know. Actually, she said to me today when I found out she was, she says, oh, Jakey's my Top Rack. 
<laughs> I try my best to be like him, but I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love the way he, he he races, though. Right? I mean, are you are you a late breaker like he is? <laughs> Actually, yeah. Funnily enough, yeah, yeah, I am. But <laughs> he's insane, that guy. <laughs> if I could be half as good as him, I'd be over the moon. <laughs> Do you think mm. that that Ray is now the one feeling all the pressure, particularly what happened last weekend? Yeah, it's. Oh, I don't know. It's a bit of a funny one. Like it looked like sort of Top Rack was starting to have that hand, one hand on the trophy sort of thing, and then obviously with mm. that uh, sort of mudguard issue, um, which ended up sending him down the road in, the, in that last race at Portimao, um, it's you know put it all wide open again. So I don't know if Top, uh, sorry, um, Johnny is going to be feeling the pressure a lot. I think they're just both going to go out there and do what they've got to do really to. Um, to win the championship. And of course, he's on the Yamaha as well, top rack, so you'll be happy about that. Hey, Jake, thanks so much for filling in for Av, and I mean filling in, right, okay? You may be her top rack, but you're not Avalon, okay? I <laughs> <laughs> oh, appreciate that. <laughs> no, you know what I, I mean, man. We're just worried about our girl, you know? No, we, we don't. We What, you don't worry about Avalon? You don't worry about Avalon? No, we don't know what you mean. Oh, you know what I mean. He knows what I mean. Hey, by the way, uh, she hasn't forwarded the invitation for the wedding. When is the wedding, by the way? Oh, God, here we go. Uh, It's still working on that. I don't know if we were planning (laughs) on sharing it with you. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Jake. Yeah, thanks, mate. Love love your works. (laughs) See you next time. Uh, Appreciate the time, buddy. You're going to be working. You're going to be working, uh, Stephen. You're going to be their MC. Yeah, I'll happily happily do that. All righty. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate the time, mate. Jake Lewis, three-time New Zealand Superbike champion and, uh, yeah, fiancé to our good friend Avalon Biddlehurst. So I hope you're feeling well, Avi, and uh, we talk to you soon. All right, stick around. Uh, Coming short. We shall ring our two winners. We shall ring our two winners of the copies of Neil Crompton's The Best Seat in the House right here on Race Control on SENZ. Yeah, let's groove tonight and finish race control on a Thursday strong by giving something away to our loyal listeners here on Race Control. Two copies to give away of Neil Crompton's new autobiography called The Best Seat in the House. So let's hit the phones and straight away, look at this, look, this name's popped up. Cheryl from Masterton. How are you? Good, thank you. Well, guess what? What? You've won the copy of Neil Crompton's book, best seat in the house for either you or your son. Oh, you're just absolutely fabulous. My son would, oh, he'd be chill pants. Well, maybe... Great stuff. Now. Hey, hey, Cheryl, do you like motorsport yourself? Um, I'm actually, as I'm getting older, I am getting into it. <laughs> what does what getting older <laughs> have to love. do with it? Well, I don't know. I think I've got a lot bit more patience for it nowadays, you know, because... With the husband, it's something that's on TV all weekend long. <laughs> oh, oh, your husband's a bit of a picture head. <laughs> uh, yeah. What does he like to watch? Um, yeah, all sorts of racing. Um, he did the fight. He did the fight the other night too. Yeah. Um, oh, the fight, the actual fight. You know that uh, what's his name, Tyson and oh, Tyson Wilder. Fury, Deontay Wilder. Well, that was probably the best, best heavyweight fight I have seen in ten years. Well, yeah, I think the roof was rocking. In my house. <laughs> well, it's rocking now Very because you've, you've got a, you've got a new prize. We'll get into your details, Cheryl, and you are a winner. Thanks so much for listening to SCNZ Thank you, and Race Control. Cheryl.
All righty. Uh, now, you may remember last week we got a call from a guy called Ben. I think it was from Timaru. Remember, Murph, when I said, we said, uh, so what's the, what's the answer to the question? He went, oh, I forgot. And then he gave us the answer. <laughs> hey, Ben, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Yourself? We are rocking. We're grooving tonight. And you're going to be grooving because you've won a copy of Neil Crompton's Best Seat in the House. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, mate, uh, so is that for you or for someone else? Oh, I think I'll, I'll give it a read myself. Yeah, I, I, I'm just give, it and, give it a read. Give it a read. Try and yeah, look yeah, after I'll, it I'll, and then wrap it up. I'll, I'll, and then wrap it up yeah, and give it some of Christmas. the old man for Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> there you perfect. go. Boom. I'll, Done, I'll read, boom. I'll read the title so I don't make such a peanut of myself. <laughs> <laughs> mate, you're not a peanut. And I just want to say thanks for <laughs> thanks for listening to Race Control. Tell all your mates about it. Remember, um, we're here Thursday, um, 7 through 9. I appreciate it. It's great. Yeah, you're welcome, mate. All right, there's Ben from Timaru. Good on you, Ben. Cheryl from Oh, Ben, by the way, by the way, um, this weekend, the second round of the South Island Endurance Series right there at Levels Raceway, mate. You should go out there for a little bit of a look. Oh, do you know what? I'm actually in in Christchurch. I'm I'm currently sitting at the the Christchurch Casino. My uh, my sister's getting married tomorrow, so I don't bloody miss out on that. Hey, did you buy a wedding dress? Bloody hell. Yeah, I, I did take my son to, to levels just before we went into lockdown and there was a whole bunch of Porsches and he's uh, 18 months old and he absolutely loved it. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> we, we like your style. Hey, if you haven't got a wedding present, you've got one now. Yeah, well, no, no, I think I'll keep this to myself. They don't, they don't <laughs> have huge fans of motorsport. Ben, thanks so much. Enjoy it. Enjoy the weekend. And, uh, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. On our congratulations to your sis as well, mate. Cheers. Thank you. 8.52. This is Race Control on SENZ with Stephen McIver and Greg Murphy wrapping up another month. How about that? They call himself a peanut. How exciting was Cheryl from Masterland? Hey? I'm getting older, so I'm really starting to enjoy it more because it's on the telly all the week. We love her husband even more so. Serdak, actually, this weekend, Murph, and uh, our good friend uh, Chris Vanderdrift and Lance can't make it down. They're stuck in the Waikato on a level three, so there's another GTR going down there. Our good mate uh, Tom Alexander and Anthony Lee in the Blackball Markets GTR are going to have a mm. crack. So it's uh, sounding mixed. Oh, it's this COVID's killing me, man. Oh, it's it's uh, making a mess of a lot of things, obviously for a lot of people, but in our selfish world where we uh, <laughs> like to be involved in our motorsports and doing our things, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is. It's quite depressing, but it'd be great to see that's a brand... Oh, it's not a brand new car, but it's the first time that car will be competing, actually, that GDR with Tom and Anthony. So uh, good luck to them around the tight little confines of the Levels Raceway. Is that like a big go-kart track? You know how we sort of look at some tracks and go... Yeah, it is a little bit. Yeah, it is a little bit. Okay. Yeah, hey, it is a bit. Hey, yeah. uh, disappointing news for me because I was looking forward to it even though it was going to happen in August next year. Uh, but they've now pulled the pin on the Gen 3 supercars till the start of the 2023 season. Yeah, no surprise, really. I think uh, most people may have seen that coming. And also at the moment with um, just the, the current situation around supercars and the fact that uh, there's not a lot of racing going on, it's going to be a, an interesting season. The teams are under a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and, and financially, I would imagine, also. So, you know, um, COVID has caused delays and a lot of different situations around the whole uh, development for, for the Gen 3 car. And, and it wasn't ideal to have it rolling out partway through or through the season anyway. It was all a bit of a nah 
kind of idea and, and uh, so I'm not really surprised this has happened I think it's the best thing for the category um, to just work through it and you know to be honest I think they probably should have just uh, put the order in for for 30 uh, of the next gen NASCARs and oh, be done with it you beat um, me to it I saw pictures again of their latest test how cool yeah. does that Toyota look those things are awesome how, how cool oh, is the well tw- all mean, of them and, and to be honest, for supercars, if they're wanting another manufacturer as well, there's three cars there ready to go, done, all set, ready to go. You know, it's just like they're effectively what we're doing, but we're doing it differently and our doors open. You know, <laughs> other than that, you know, they've got V8s in and they look fantastic. Let's go racing. So, oh, anyway. You, you, you speak my language. You speak my, my language. All right, mate, we're back next uh, weekend. Well, week, 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 uh, seven through nine, maybe. So you, oh, you, get, you can't get your words out, whereas I can, so their languages are different. Yeah, well, you live in the country, I live in the city, and we, we won't go there. Hey, uh, I'll catch you next week, and maybe we'll talk to our good friends at Repco and see if we can uh, give someone else to give away, eh? Oh, we need to do something like that just to get the callers back in on on, uh, on the show. It's been All great right. talking to some of the fans. We are done. That's Race Control here on SNZ. See you next Thursday between 7 and 9. Have a great weekend, everybody.